0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell.
1: Contact cordellcordell.com, Cordell.com, 1065
0: East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are previewing tonight's critical matchup with the Golden State Warriors, and to help us do that, we are joined by GoldenStateOfMind.com's Daniel Hardy. Thank you for taking the time this morning, sir.
2: No problem, no problem. Love talking a little hoop. How you doing, man?
0: I'm really good, man. I'm excited. Uh, I've been up late every night this week, uh, not just watching the Pelicans, but uh, pretty much watching as many games as I can sink my teeth into. We had a lot of great ones yesterday and today there's a there's a 330 game. I can't remember who it is. the the clippers and the nuggets or something uh, around that part, but I'm Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell and Cordell.
1: Contact CordellCordell.com 1065
0: East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, nine four four zero four. Like, man, I, I have to go to work. I don't have time to watch all this stuff. Can't we all just like <laughs> space everything from like seven to eleven PM or thereabouts? What about you, man?
2: Uh yeah. Um unfortunately I'll be out well, I guess you can't say unfortunately, but fortunately I'll be with my fiance today. So um uh, I'll be missing most of the hoop except for of course the big game um coming up between uh Warriors and Pelican.
0: Congratulations. Uh my wife and I just celebrated six months last night. What
2: about you guys? Uh we're about three years in. So uh wow, six months, man. How so, hey we do any secrets for me?
0: Uh, uh, I guess, uh, don't, don't ever start an argument. Uh, let her have her way and just, just pick your spots, I guess, uh, would be the best advice that I can give you. But, uh, we were on our honeymoon actually really close to Oakland. Uh, we, we went to Long Beach and we went to Catalina. We were supposed to go to Puerto Rico, but a hurricane came. So that was all derailed. Anyway, I got off the plane, uh, in Long Beach, beautiful outdoor airport And we were wearing one of those obnoxious, like, just married shirts or something like that. And people (laughs) literally stopped me that I had never met on the street. Like, women would grab my arm and say, hey, the wife is always right. Or happy wife, happy life. That was the one that I got a lot. So uh, I guess that's the best (laughs) advice that I can give you, man, is uh, happy wife, happy life. And congratulations. Let's talk some hoops. Sir, uh, if you're ready, uh, let's start with Steve Kerr and the Warriors' disappointing show against the Pacers on Thursday night. I'm sure this is probably the m- most popular storyline for you guys because you don't have a lot to play for right now, right? Smack in the middle of the Trailblazers and the Rockets. Uh, you guys are comfortably in the second seed. You've got it locked up, and we constantly hear about how difficult it is to play deep into the playoffs, as the Warriors have done in the four past years. And yet Steve Kerr called the performance on Thursday night embarrassing What's what's the take on their performance and Kerr's reaction in Oakland right now?
2: Well, I think there's probably two sides to that coin. Uh, number one, Steve Kerr's absolutely right. I mean, when you look at the way we played, uh, we've lost damn near every 50-50 ball, which is one of the surest signs of a team that's not really engaged. And also, you have the Pacers who are fighting for a playoff sitting in their own in their home building. And, of course, for most teams, the Golden State Warriors coming to their building is damn near a game set on the NBA Finals. So you know they were going to be hyped up for that one um i mean obviously we've been banged up quite a bit uh we're missing uh someone say the head of the snake uh stephen curry the two-time mvp and uh, he really makes us go but um what you notice is with the warriors um there are some games that they really go through the motions because they're not um, really in a state where they care if you think about the 73 win season um, everybody got on us because they're like, why are you taking the regular season so hard? Why are you trying so hard? You're going to gas yourself off for of the uh, the playoffs, right? So we, we win 73 games. It's bad. So now we're kind of taking our time, you know, trying to get our bodies right for the playoffs. And people are like, oh my God, you're not trying hard enough. It's kind of a weird phase where we're just waiting for the season to end.
0: Yeah, I definitely hear that. With that being said, though, this one uh, takes takes a, a different set of circumstances because other than playing the Indiana Pacers, you guys are probably not going to see them in the finals should you make it past the Rockets. But there is a very strong possibility that you do run into these same Pelicans two weeks from now in the first round of playoffs. Of course, you guys are at second. The Pelicans right now sit at fifth, but if they lose this game, could plummet all the way to ninth and could really end up anywhere between those four spots what, what do you think about facing the Pelicans again, possibly, in the first round?
2: Well, um, the Pelicans are a really funny team uh, as far as our matchup goes because it's rare that we meet a team that is uh, big man uh, reliant, but your big man is all over the court. So it's kind of like this giant small forward, the three-point lines at the rim, he's super athletic, and we tend to have trouble with those guys um, as far as them stepping the stat sheet. But um, I think you can see from our recent history, I think the Warriors have been successful, I think like eight or nine times in a row against the Pelicans. And part of the reason is that eventually we're gonna make somebody else make a shot, right? We're, we're gonna make somebody besides Anthony Davis make a play. And with DeMarcus Cousins uh, injury, which is a huge loss. I mean, like when you guys had that uh, Twin Towers matchup rolling, it was pretty terrifying to see. Like a couple of the games we had, you guys would get big on us. We had to really fight back get into it. So with DeMarcus down, you're going back to that Anthony Davis-centric kind of offense where um, he's obviously a super elite player, you know, um, top 10 for sure, maybe even top seven. Um, but eventually he's going to have to start, you know, trusting his teammates to make plays. And I'm just not sure that the uh, the surrounding cast, the others, can compete at the level that the Warriors can. Even while Steph Curry, you still got, you know, <laughs> three all-stars that you got to deal with, plus these veterans. So eventually it's going to come down. Let's say Anthony Davis gets, you know, 35 points. Seventeen rebounds and you know ten assists, which which is scary because we're going to be trying to stop him the best we can. But even if it gets that, who's going to fill in the rest of those points? That, that that's my question.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: there's no question which team is the better team in this one right now. Uh, I guess the only thing we have going into this one is motivation, uh, and we'll just hope for the best. The Golden State War- Warriors are uh, are just uh, able to just. I don't know mail this one and let's say let's let's circle back to that conversation in a bit and let's focus on the Warriors and their uh quote embarrassing display against the Pacers on Mm -hmm. Thursday Kevin Durant is somebody who didn't shoot particularly well eight of 23 from the floor and he shot just two of 13 in the second half against Oklahoma City on Tuesday I believe that was in their victory that night uh he's been kind of slumping lately do you think this is a bounce back performance for him
2: wow uh... That's a good question um with a guy like kevin durant um okay he's a guy who's what you know super tall super lean um in the first half usually what he's doing is he's got his legs underneath him and he's making these really difficult shots he's pulling up over guys ad nauseum and really taking to the rim and then as the game goes on and bodies are wearing on him you know he's, he's a thin guy you know and um i think what you see over time is he starts uh settling further and further from the rim with, you know, at the end of the season with your legs, maybe not under you, it can be difficult to get the same lift on your shots. So I think what you're seeing is, you know, with the second half against OKC. And first of all, I mean, you know, these teams are trapping him pretty savagely and making it pretty hard for him to get the ball. So when he does get the ball and he takes these shots, they're very difficult shots. And he's a difficult shot maker. But my goodness, like the percentages, you know, why these shots are going in are pretty high uh, or pretty tough. So um, tonight um, against the Pelicans. I don't know if there's a Kevin Durant stopper on the team. So I would expect him, you know, to look at his matchup with AD and, uh, you know, he's a Nike guy trying to get some uh, some some numbers up for his team. He'll probably go uh, pretty hard. But at the same time, at the same time, he's not going to try to risk injury and go for 50. So we're in that weirdest stage where if he got 35, I wouldn't be surprised. If he got 20, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I've always been a big fan of Kevin Durant ever since the days back in Texas and Seattle. And looking at his stat line, it's so incredible. Uh, I mentioned that he's been struggling, but for a guy who only makes eight field goals and is still capable of scoring 27 points on those missed field goals, he, he's just a guy who who finds a way to score points and finds ways to be effective. And you're incredibly astute in saying that the Pelicans don't really have a guy to match up against him. They tried Dante Cunningham because Cunningham has some length to him. Obviously, he's in Brooklyn now, so they're probably going to try try anthony davis Solomon hill who's been a zero offensively so that probably won't go well for them and then they'll probably try utilizing darius miller and we'll just see how that goes and just hope nobody rubs kevin durant the wrong way and gets him going another guy who struggled (laughs) in the second half against the pacers clay thompson oh of six this guy is is terrifying going around screens and jacking up that three-point shot he does it He does it quicker and more fluidly than pretty much anybody in the league. It's just a gorgeous setup and finish pretty much every time. But somehow the Pacers in their quick-footed backcourt of Corey Joseph and Victor Oladipo and Darren Collison, I don't know what they did, but they managed to limit him as best they could to just 16 points. How can the Pelicans manage to do that against Clay?
2: Well, I mean, as with Kevin Durant, he's a professional scorer. I mean, the guy can get you 60 and three quarters. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily a way to... Stop him, so to see, but you can make it difficult. And I think one of the ways that you do that is to force him to put the ball on the ground. You know, um, Obviously, when you get a guy flying around screens like that, it's going to be difficult to keep up with him. But if you can keep it, uh, you know, I say arm's length best you can, maybe get into his body a little bit, force him to get um, into his dribble moves, he may still get the bucket on you because he is a, you know Olympian and a, a great scorer. But you're kind of limiting what he does the best, which is come around the screen, catch it, fluid, one motion, and pap. You know, he's not even thinking about it. Make Clay Thompson think, make it put him put on the ground.
0: Nice. Uh I like that too, Olympian. And uh you're you're absolutely right uh, with uh with a player of his volume. Uh there's there's no stopping him. You just kind of have to hope I guess he's having an off night as Kevin Durant was. And speaking of off nights, Draymond Green uh has been efficient lately, but he's just not taking a whole lot of shots. And with Steph Curry off the floor, you think there's a couple more of those to go around, but actually Quinn Cook has been the one taking those shots. Talk about Quinn Cook's development and Draymond Green kind of taking a back seat.
2: Well, I mean, the dynamic of the team is really shifts without Steph Curry. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, ESPN called him you know, one of the top 10 uh, game changers in the history of the game. Here's a guy whose space and his gravity is so ridiculous that when he crosses the half court, the other team's defense is on red alert like it's a nuclear attack. You know what I mean? So you take that guy out of the option. The defense kind of changes. The, the, the spacing tightens up a little bit. And now those wide open driving lanes, some of those wide open shots that Draymond normally would get with Steph in there, they kind of disappear a little bit. So with a guy like Quinn Cook, a guy who can uh, shoot the rock, excellent, a guy who can put the ball on the floor, he doesn't have quite the gravity of Steph Curry does. I mean, who who really does? You know what I'm saying? So um, in that case, what you're seeing is Draymond is assuming more of the point guard or point forward uh, responsibilities. So he's bringing the ball up or operating the ball at the top of the key, the high post at the elbows, because he's got great vision and he knows that if he can get the other guys going, get them scoring, that makes his job easier, which is locking down the defensive end. Now, of course, it's never easy playing against a guy like Anthony Davis. You know, the brow gets it done. But if he can limit um, the effort guess that he spend, and then, you know, after three quarters of guys watching the cutters and the, looking for the screens, all of a sudden, Draymond's popping free for a three or Draymond's cutting to the rim. But he's not primarily a score? and you can see that even Steve Kerr will say that Draymond's job isn't to score. With um, a guy like Quinn Cook, if he can get some of those responsibilities of ball handling take away from him, then he can just focus on knocking down jumpers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Draymond kind of a Swiss Army knife. And I wouldn't think he'd be matched up with Anthony Davis too much tonight just because there's a five-inch difference. Obviously, there'll be some switches, but... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Draymond on Nikola uh a lot. In the past two games, Meritich has come to life. I don't know if you've noticed he shaved his beard, and he's become a bit more aggressive, a bit more confident. And Draymond Green is the perfect type of defender to get in his grill and kind of slow him down, and that would definitely limit the Pelicans' offense and what they're able to do, uh, taking away that scoring threat. He was 5 of 11 last night from three-point range. Uh, After that, I I noticed that Zaza Pachulia is getting fewer and fewer minutes. JaVale McGee is probably somewhere around 10 minutes per game most nights. And Kevin Looney and Jordan Bell have been getting larger and larger workloads. How much of them do you think we'll see tonight?
2: You're going to see a ton. You're going to see a ton. Um, That's one of the questions that we have over at Golden State of Mind, and I'm sure throughout the nation. Uh, Zaza has been a guy who, what he does is he goons up the game with his body, man. He's got such a a strong goon body that he you know he's gobbling up rebounds and more importantly he's keeping the other team from getting rebounds because his body is just so there you know what i mean tough hard-nosed uh nasty feisty um but what you're seeing is the league is really kind of shifting you know like um the days of the the uh <laughs> the big goon center are, are kind of disappearing you, you gotta have some um some real skills there and i like his passing but what you're seeing is teams will high trap on the pick and roll right and then um what they'll do is they'll force the ball handler to chunk it down to Zaza, who's maybe 18 feet from the basket, where he's not the most comfortable. So now he's got to do something with the ball and, you know, my goodness, it's kind of like Russian roulette at that point. So with a guy like Jordan Bell uh, um, or Kevon Looney, they're catching the ball on the short roll, and they're a little better getting a little more fluid at making decisions where now they can catch the cutters or even get always to the basket for uh, an athletic finish. So I think that athleticism and uh, kind of just the, the more comfortability away from the basket is kind of moving Zaza out of the picture. Now, with a guy, like javel he's probably, well, I guess between him and Damian, our longest guys. So his length in there, uh, catching lobs for alley-oops, uh, protecting the rim, even though he's not a beefy guy, that length usually bothers other opposing players pretty good.
0: You know, Daniel, I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to be talking again in a week right now. There's so many other topics. I want to get back into former Hornet David West and what kind of effect he's going to have, who's going to be matched up primarily against Drew Holiday. Quinn Cook's offensive capabilities versus his defensive capabilities. There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to get some answers tonight, but I'm, I'm going to throw this over to you. How much of a fight do you expect out of the Warriors? How many minutes do you expect their big three to get? And what do you expect the uh, the eventual result to be?
2: Well, um, it depends how angry you make us, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, um, these guys have a lot of pride, man. And you got to think over the last month or so, you know, from March on after the All-Star break. I mean, after the All-Star break, they were really rolling until the injuries hit them. So you've got guys like Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond, who've missed an extended amount of times. They're still trying to find their rhythm with the playoffs a week away. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tell Coach Kerr, hey, come on, man, let's get 30-plus out there, get into our group, break our sweat, we'll be careful not to get an injury. Um, but also, since we're going to see these guys soon, they may want to send not a message, so to speak, which lets let them know that, hey, we're the champs and we're we're coming for blood. So um, I wouldn't expect them to go all out like Game 7. But these guys, they have numbers, you know, they have stats, you know, they want to show that, you know, they're still premier players. And these things matter to these guys, you know, when they finish the game, they look at their phone and say, OK, what, what did I do tonight? So um, I would expect uh, the first half is going to dictate a lot how the game's going to go. If it's a close contest and, you know, we're going back and forth, I'm pretty sure we're going to see the starters uh, play the re- regular minutes about. Um, but if it's a, a blowout in either direction, I would assume that um, the coach would pull the big guns.
0: Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Again, you guys have been listening to Daniel Hardy. of. uh, We'll say follow him on Twitter at Unstoppable Baby, but he represents SB Nation's Golden State of Mind. Uh, Go ahead and tell them your Twitter handle. I think it's at OriginalGBK and where they can follow some of your work.
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, pretty much I am uh, writing for Golden State of Mind like three or four times a week. You know, they got me busy with all this Warriors news. Uh, But, yeah, check me out. Um, Our team is pretty good at disseminating the Warriors news in a pretty humorous way.
0: All right. Sounds good, man. Uh, For now, I'm Preston Ellis. You've been listening to the bird calls. We'll be back with you guys for a Clippers preview, probably Monday morning back with Ollie and Kevin until then, uh, go ahead and hop on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, hit subscribe today, share it with your friends, share it with your loved ones. We really appreciate all your support. We're on our way to a hundred thousand downloads on the season with your help. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can get this win tonight because by God, if we don't, we could fall to ninth in the seedings. Uh, So Stay strong, Pels fans, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Pels. All right, now we're back with editor-in-chief to com, where this man leads, Nicola Meritich follows. What's up, Ollie? Hey, what's going on, man? That was a nice, pleasant surprise. Yeah, wasn't that cool? Uh, he sent us a screenshot last night. Apparently, Nicola Meritich is not only following the Bird rights, he is following the editor-in-chief, Mr. Ollie himself. Very cool stuff. And uh, you even got Jen Hale going last night with one of your tweets. Which one was that? Was that the... The merited shaving one? Yeah, the five o'clock shadow. Maybe having an effect (laughs) on his shooting stroke after halftime. Very funny, sir. Of course, you can follow him at Ali Cosell and at The Bird Rides. Ali, let's start with a positive. I feel like too often we start with the negative. So, you know, obviously we win the game, a game that we uh, critically needed to have, uh, so to speak. And we'll start with Nikola Meretic, 31 points, 16 rebounds, two assists, and one turnover on 11 of 25 shooting. He was 5 of 11 from three-point range, but just 6 of 15 from two-point range. The efficiency across the floor isn't quite yet there, but at least he's draining his threes. What do you think of his overall performance?
1: Oh, I think, I think it was outstanding. When you think about a player who is at the, you know, at the lowest depths of confidence levels, for him to have two games like this, and I don't care what the level of competition is, it, it's good for him, and it can only be good going forward. NBA players completely operate on confidence, unless you're Russell Westbrook, one of those that, you know, never remembers the last time you missed a shot. So, you know, it, it's a very good thing for him, Preston.
0: Very cool. He said, the coaches did a great job trying to find me to get some plays for me. I felt very confident, especially with my defense. And I think when I feel that confident defensively, my offense comes. There was another part to this, Ali, that you mentioned on Twitter, and it was in regards to a players-only meeting that took place. And Miritich told reporters about it. He said, we had a good meeting. We watched a film, just players, and we were trying to figure out how we could be more successful offensively and defensively. I think that meeting was really helpful for us. And obviously, this is probably the sort of thing that that happens with every organization, especially at this point in the season when there's really not as many practices. Guys are healing, icing, that sort of thing. Uh, but with regards to this, do you have any more information? And who do you think would lead a players-only meeting
1: like this? I wish I did have more information, and I wish there was a way to have asked these players being, you know, either there in that locker room in Phoenix or before the game today in uh, Golden State. But, of course, no. Um, what I do think, though, is that I, I, you have to assume Rajon Rondo is the one that led this. Um, of course, Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, any of the leaders, may have had a lot of input as well. But it just seems like such a Rondo thing when you're talking about watching film. And guess what? Rondo is renowned for how much film he watches. And then he passes on what he sees to his teammates. So I wouldn't be surprised if he noticed something and or figured out a way to get these players in certain better positions because the offense was floundering. And uh, suddenly, you know, they've looked really good. Again, disclaimer, they played two really lousy teams, but you've just got to look at the way they start the pace, the way they're running the offense. And for the most part, over those last two games, this looked really good. So hopefully they found something.
0: You know what, Ollie? I just have to say, uh, I take you for granted sometimes. I was preparing to do this on my own. Uh, we we had a bit of a miscommunication before this podcast. And, and I talked to Daniel Hardy of Gold State of Mind. Of course, you guys just heard that. And then I was prepared to kind of handle the recap on my own. And I just have to say how much easier it is having somebody <laughs> to bounce all this information off of. So thank you so much for your analysis and for your time and getting back into this. Uh, let's talk about the starters, Ali. They obviously dominated pretty much every minute out on the court, with the lone exception being the first couple of minutes of that third quarter when the Suns got out to I think a 16 to eight run. But Ali, we were we were all hoping for a great deal of rest in this contest, and uh, they did get some at the end of the fourth. But for the most part, the Pelicans were still forced to play Drew and AD a combined 77 minutes. Were you disappointed in the bench for failing to maintain this lead?
1: Just a little bit. I mean, they went what? Everybody's talking about seeing the starters play around 30 minutes. So, you know what? Anthony and Drew both played an additional nine minutes combined. Um, it's nothing really to fret over, I really think. So, ugh, I don't know, Preston. I mean, they didn't seem to be exerting themselves. You know, you have to kind of look at how much, you know, those minutes are really um, laborious out there on the court. And I just didn't see it. I mean, Anthony Davis, sure, he blocked a few shots, made a few shots, but. You didn't see him really all out hustling. Same thing with Drew. He got up and down the court, had some great drives to the rim, but he really wasn't chasing everybody around, nor did he have to. I mean, these aren't Paul George, Russell Westbrooks, name any of the top players in the NBA stars where, you know, Drew's having to work to death to get around screens, to uh, make sure he stays with his man and such. So I honestly, I'm not making too much out of it. And let's face it, Preston, how did the Pelicans do when they had those, was it six games in eight days? I think they did really well. I mean, sure, they talked about being tired, but it didn't kill him So, I don't know. I, I think we'll be okay. But going back to your bench thing, they've got to play better because coming up, of course, Golden State, Clippers, and the Spurs, everybody's going to have to step up their game and produce.
0: Yeah, big game today. uh, Happening in just three hours right now. I don't know where NBA TV gets off with these 3.30 games, but we have to work, Ollie. I can't be staring at my phone all day. I have to focus, uh, but they're doing it to us, so I'm not going to be focusing at work today, to be quite honest. Uh, Alvin Gentry talked about lapses in concentration. That's what you were just mentioning. Uh, They won the rebounding battle 65 to 56, but with that being said, there was definitely some instances you were referring to where Rajon Rondo just palmed a rebound at one point. A couple of instances where the guys didn't look to be completely dialed in, uh, leading 45 to 27 in the second. They allowed a 9-0 run, and they just had trouble putting these guys away. And you can see that Anthony Davis was really trying. He had uh, 14 in the second quarter, 27 in the first half. Uh, Drew, of course, had 22 and 10. But with that being said, they got the win onto Golden State. Before we talk about Golden State, I want to wrap up with Jordan Crawford, Ali, his first game back, and his first couple of minutes with the starters were a bit bumpy. But in the fourth, he exploded, shooting, I think, he hit all four of his three-point shots. He was four of seven on the night, but I want to say he missed two of those in the second quarter. But he scored 13 points in something like, I don't know, five minutes at the end of that game. And there was a couple of heat check launches in there. Is this a fluke, Ollie, or can we expect him to stay this hot again against
1: the Warriors? Well, he's an irrational confidence shooter. That means he doesn't. He's a, he's one of those types that doesn't remember his last miss. So I think that's good going forward because the Pelicans don't have too many of these guys, if at all. And uh based on how he performed last year and he looked uh decent in preseason in the first couple games this season, um, I don't see why it won't carry over as to where he's, you know, knocking them down at a good rate. Um, I don't know. Last night, yeah, that was kind of impressive. He he made his first one and then he moved out to like you know, three, four, five feet behind the three-point line and didn't even bother to hesitate. Just went ahead and launched them and they went in. Uh, I'm curious if that got under the skin of Alvin Gentry or anybody else. But, <laughs> look, the Pelicans looked like they were having fun out there. And I think part of the problem was they raced out to that 20-point lead. And you know what? I think they were looking ahead a little bit to the Golden State Warriors. They had already chalked up the win. So you could see it. They didn't have that same intensity on trying to push the pace, um, trying to really make it difficult on the on the Suns in terms of where they were contesting every shot. Because let's face it, I saw in the second third quarters, those guys had a lot of open looks. Uh, the Pelicans didn't quite chase the rebounds. And, of course, they didn't push the pace like they did where they got all those easy points. So I think they'll be fine. I think that was a little bit of a letdown. And as for the shooting of Jordan Crawford, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they signed him for. And you've got to hope and think that, hey, if he says he's been practicing and playing all those pickup games, that means he's at least been honing and working on that shot, keeping it nice and sharp. So hopefully we'll see the dividends of that. Ollie,
0: last question and make it quick for me. I got to get out of here. What do you think happens tonight?
1: I've been saying it, you know, for weeks now that I just don't see how the Pelicans pull off this win. So hopefully this, that's that reverse jinx working, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I give them a shot because this is not the same Warriors team that they were previously. And this is not even when uh, Curry was was hurt. These guys were on a better roll. But since they come back, uh, they haven't played that well. They barely eked out a win over the uh, OKC Thunder. And then they got smashed by the Pacers. Hopefully, they'll still be disjointed. But again, I'm not counting on it, and I wouldn't bet on it.
0: Holly, thank you for your time. I'm Preston Else. I got to get out of here. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Say Metro by T-Mobile got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80 and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be,
1: only at Metro
0: plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what. man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this?